just to warm you up a little bit, I've, I've got some tracks here to play for you from Jonathan Brown's Lawless Southern City. And we'll be back with our first feature, Milo Star Johnson. So stay tuned. All right, let's see if I can make it all happen. I got it. There's a sign above the unemployment line. It reads, please don't feed the pigeons. One man's minivan is another family's home. Money don't trust the hand that holds it. Smeared blood on a lottery ticket A plastic fifth of Canadian mist A can of beans for dinner A second chance tomorrow You can't see it but there's lead poison in the soil Under those swing sets Children of a lesser god hidden in plain sight You can hear the chattering laughter Of a group of middle school kids Playing hopscotch at the same crosswalk Where prostitutes pimp their own abused childhoods Factory smokestacks choke the skyscape Acid rain pulls the paint off the cars. Runoff water from the chemical plant collects in glowing pools on moonless nights. A one-legged pigeon pecks at a cigarette butt. A one-legged pigeon pecks at a cigarette butt. A one-legged pigeon pecks at a cigarette butt. Have you ever seen a fetal position in a foxhole? You chalk it up to the war on poverty's collateral damage If you saw the foxhole was really the bus stop And the blue metal park bench doubled as a hospital cot On a Sunday morning a bearded man with a painted on smile Is selling nudie movies out of his own little lemonade stand Another man not much older than you flicks a bick and lights a cigarette Despite the tracheotomy hole in his neck And over there by the fruit stand A woman is swaying lazily on crutches Barely balancing on top of her purple splotched legs Her swollen ankles swell out of her shoes Two sizes too small And on the back of the stop sign You can see the graffiti Scrawled in green paint pen It reads I'd love to pick the lock On my closet full of skeletons But what am I to do When the neighbors call the cops Cause the smell of death is festering everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Open Pages here at mutinyradio.fm. And, well, you're in for a real treat this evening. I have just a really wonderful couple of poets here for you tonight. And, uh, I'm I'm madly signaling to one of them because I need you to hand me that backpack, please. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, you know, we're we're in a a, a small radio studio here and my arms just aren't always long enough to reach 
important things all by myself. So, I just want to welcome you again to Open Pages here at Mutiny Radio. And tonight, you're in for a real treat. Our first feature is Milo Starr Johnson, and she's been writing and performing since she was a child. A San Francisco native, she spent most of her adult life in Los Angeles. In addition to writing poetry, Milo has written, performed, and produced solo theater shows, receiving an LA Times Best Bet and LA Weekly Pick of the Week. She's also a singer-songwriter with an album of rock and roll cabaret songs. More about Milo can be found at milostarjohnson.com. That's M-I-L-O-S-T-A-R-R-J-O-H-N-S-O-N.com. Tonight, you're in for a treat. She's reading work from a work in progress, her poem cycle, Vision and Revelation of Miss Experience White. So everybody, please give a nice warm welcome to Milo Starr Johnson. zombie dogs too. I'm whistling. Got treats. Oh, pale parasite embedded in spine of white America. Got us shaking. Got us angry. Got us scared. We can't get out of the movie theater. And this is no movie. Arise, white demon. You will show yourself to me. Arise, white demon, because you are mine and I am yours. Hello, Daddy. I feel you there, on my neck, down my back, at the very base of me. Ah, yes, that's not a backbone. That's a snake or something worse. Come forth. Come forth. And there you are, smaller than I thought, 
tiny lizard. Cute, red, newt, crawling while I stomp you, I stomp you, I stomp you. Okay, hey, Milo, so we're going to do something a little bit unusual right now because at the very beginning of that, we all missed about the first 30 seconds of that. So although it's a little bit unusual, just for the sake of continuity, (laughs) (laughs) and so that everybody understands like the beginning of your piece, I do sincerely apologize to you and everyone, Um, but the mic button was not pushed on, which is hard to explain, but I'd like to reintroduce you and take a, a fresh take, if you don't oh, mind. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, is that okay with you, Milo? Sure, EK. It's your show. All right. You know, I just am a little bit of a perfectionist, uh-huh. and I really love your work, and so I want people to hear it all the way through. All right. All right. Thanks, Milo. All right, everybody. This is Milo Star Johnson, and... She's going to be reading to you from her work in progress poem cycle, Vision and Revelation of Miss Experience White. Vision and Revelation of Miss Experience White. Prologue. What made me say that stupid thing? What made me even think it? The reptiles ate my cousins. But that was Florida. I thought I was safe here. Sweeping. Clear a space. Sweep in a circle. Outwards. Go. No. Truth is always in front. Love and courage on either side. Justice steers from behind. Reason above and the ground always changing. Always changing because I really do contain multitudes. Part one, first invocation. At the twilight's last gleaming, in the pandemonium of triumphant rage to make America great again, I invoke thee, white demon, to come forth. I invoke thee, white devil, to make the PowerPoint presentation with real bullets and bring your reptile zombie dogs too. I'm whistling, got treats. Oh, pale parasite embedded in spine of white America. Got us shaking, got us angry, got us scared. We can't get out of the movie theater, and this is no movie. Arise, white demon. You will show yourself to me. Arise, white demon, because you are mine and I am yours. Hello, daddy. I feel you there. On my neck, down my back, at the very base of me. Ah, yes, that's not a backbone. That's a snake or something worse. Come forth. Come forth. And there you are, smaller than I thought. Tiny lizard, cute red newt, crawling while I stomp you, I stomp you, I stomp you. Second invocation, 
American carnage. I summoned the pearly white demon to appear. Multiple stab wounds in the body politic suggest hurt people hurt, believing the first lie is the trap. It's not yet known if the killer and victim knew one another. I summoned the pearly white demon to appear. Smoldering stench of industrial waste. No fishing here. Pipes hemorrhage. Majestic purple mountaintop removed. Warning, chasing a memory of butterflies permitted. Who were the thieves who ever took care of whatever they stole? I see the body of the demon start to appear. The reptile-like body varies from bright to pale. Warts and scars ornament opalescent scales. Tune into blue versus red, snowflake versus deplorable. Mutilate, paralyze, massacre, whoever differs with you. Branding was a burning wound before it was cool. What if you actually knew her, then found her dead on the ground? I see the head of the demon start to appear. Staring eyes see only one way. Throat looks like an open grave. Brain rotting in the head of Tyrannosaurus Wonderbread. I summoned the demon to appear. Usual torture with rape. Dangerous walking as female. Only a girl covering bruises, working for less pay. Barbie's abortion, coat hanger included, went badly. Property of men, not a person deserving a vote. The demon's penis is smelly and small. So are his moldy, sagging balls. Shot by police, bled out in custody, no one to blame. Beaten and tear gassed, bitten by dogs, bombed on the school bus, chased and caught like a prize, hung from trees, burnt and torn apart, shackled into a feudal society, kidnapped from home. See the demon's long and slender hands, unmistakably a gentleman's. While children weep and die at the wall of hostility, sore winners or citizens speak kindly to neighbors harboring malice. Irish, then German and Polish, Italian, immigrants all. Nobody has ever really believed this was only about jobs. The demon's chest is a cavity, a black hole where a heart should be. Injuries from the repetitive stress of punching the one below while taking a punch from above. It's chronic pain managed by titans of industry who've kept the cheese moving fast. 400 years manufacturing resentment with bonus of whiteness. The demon shows off his long forked tail with tips hard and sharp like common nails. Real Americans driving along to the president's rally unaware of the blood, breathing, underground layers of human blood with an ancient name same as the car, graveyard without bones. Foreign invaders cashed bones in, became pioneers, built homes. The demon manifests with talons for feet, muttering of destiny with his usual conceit. Twisting the teachings of Christ till the arteries spurt, 
making the holy accessory to crimes, murmurers, righteous complainers, converters, treating existence at best like a whore. Neo-medieval evangelicals can't get past the Crusades. The demon's crown, a wreath of realistic plastic thorns, atop an impossible hairdo, dyed orange. The pearly white one is before me. The pearly white one is before me. I summon his pearly white retinue to appear. Reptile show. Lights fade up on the stage of mind. Apparitions appear. Reptile-like bodies clothed in the latest rage. Sporting necklaces, tattoos of pride. Freely do they strut about, gnashing their teeth. Yet they are all in fact asleep. These are entities without substance, formless, pass-through entities. First to appear is the great consort, Queen Chastity Wonderbread, alias Old Pussy. She wields toxic cleaning supplies to remove dirt, sterilize filth. Her shield a fan of credit cards, breastplate by Fredericks of Hollywood. With one hip thrown out, this desperate housewife may be sexually available, medicated, or both. Her hair, big, blonde, her face pulled, puffed. Under mascara, she wears black eye husband gave her with martyr's flinty pride many servants visible behind her. Appearing next, Prince Tyrannosaurus Jr. Wonderbread, alias the Worm. Hunting rifle casually slung over shoulder, he wields MBA degree like knife thrower, uses briefcase of cash, large bills, as shield. Stands atop many dead, lions, tigers, little children, mom-pop businesses. Here comes Princess Purity Wonderbread, alias Sweet Pussy. She wields bejeweled selfie stick dripping with the blood of friends. Long, straight blonde hair flows past sexy breastplate with pattern of broad stripes and bright stars. Giggles of contempt bubble away from doll face. In contrast, the short younger daughter, Evangeline, alias Hot Pussy, wields pistols, rifle, and Bible, which also serves as shield. Bra holster by Victoria's Secret. Wears rodeo outfit, appears to be in prayer, although born again every day, at night she works a porn site, tossing her rusty ringlets. Her burly consort is also her brother. This younger son, Diesel Wonderbread, alias Gator, Wields impressive array of firearms, many concealed. Face like a hamburger, mute meat dripping juice. Roars in aggression while in constant pain. No one would ever guess he was asleep, like all the rest in this dream. Also in the retinue, seven to twelve hundred thousand. Politicians, lawyers, accountants, bankers, brokers, breakers, fixers, known collectively as the vicious cycle. They swirl about in attendance to the white ones, bending over backwards, doing cartwheels, backflips, wielding phones, lawsuits, advertisements, contracts with deadly loopholes, with endless ammunition of fine print, building think tanks and websites staffed by trolls. These suits are blind to everything but money. 
deaf to everything but the boss's commands, and are themselves attended to by legions of miserable helpers. The pearly white retinue is before me in all its reptilian glory. They parade and pose for each other, taking endless photos, bickering, backbiting, upstaging one another. This reminds me of something. But now the great white patriarch fills all the space before me, a familiar ploy to intimidate. He is languorous, heavy-lidded. Father, I shout, will you awaken from your sleep of privilege? Will you speak honestly to me? And he says, my dear, it seems you want to wear a dunce cap on your head, repeating, I will not have racist thoughts a hundred times. How harsh, how feather-brained. It's not your fault. The fault belongs to all elites, defying common sense. The snobs, the hippie scientists, the bleeding hearts. It can't be progress if it feels oppressive, right? It's hard enough surviving. You deserve the best. Beware of those who want to put you down as if you weren't entitled to your life. A normal life with plastic straws and cows. My dear, our rights are under constant real attack. The country I once loved does not exist. It's been replaced by chaos, dirty people, sneaky types, machines, despair. We have to take our country back. Remember when America was great? And why was that? We recognized our differences, and everyone perceived their place. The proof was in the pudding, right? It all made sense. A pretty lady like yourself would not be working, but instead be married, well-protected, raising kids. Chinese in restaurants, the Mexicans in fields, the blacks were musical, and how we danced. Now that's politically correct. We were the greatest nation, led by mighty men, under God, a Christian God, the Lord himself, in whom the money says we trust, and he made us in his image. So you, my dear, above all people, must believe me now, because of all your ancestors, the Puritans, the pioneers on both sides, who made America great. The proof is in the pudding, right? Shut up! I scream, this is not about dessert. But the demon, like a broken clock, just happened to get something right. I really am descended from Puritans and pioneers. I mean, how else would I end up with a name like Experience White? And now I see why the retinue is so familiar. Oh, what horror. These are all my relatives, the entire white family, rich and poor. And they are hungry for dessert. And that would be me. The demons are dancing around me now, romping hard in rocket-like formations. Kick turn, kick turn with red glaring faces. I am tired of this accursed performance. It is time for me to do what white people do best. Take over.
Wow, Milo Star Johnson. That was incredible. Thank you very much for reading that segment of Vision and Revelation of Miss Experience White. So you are listening to MutinyRadio.fm, and we're located right here at 2781 21st Street at Florida, right here in the Mission District of San Francisco, California. And we're gonna we're gonna listen to another another track from Lawless Southern City by Jonathan Brown. So enjoy this and get ready for our next feature, D. Allen. So here we go, everybody. Something from Jonathan Brown. Alrighty. Drunk driving up the buckle of the Bible belt. Which is most likely why I feel so at home while I'm spiraling wildly out of control. Your eyes are the fiery car wreck I wish I could die in. September 22nd, 2008. A family wraps their cameras snug around a telephone pole. Mom, dad, and brother wind up in a coma. Wake up to find their youngest daughter, Jennifer, dead. And her liver transplanted to a grandfather not of their blood. Love is fickle and stubborn, yet brittle and giving. Flames fly from my twisted ribcage, my heart bleeding, dead blood in your hands, pumping rusty through the hacksaw of a question. What day of the week is best to search for the plastered pieces of a Paris heart under the guise of a light polluted night sky? Now more than ever is the best time to believe in something like a graceful God. My God, the angels who watch over us have eyes filling over with the same oceans. Airplanes will fly over, taking us towards lives we decided to give our hearts to before we gave our hearts to the careful art of giving our hearts to each other. Memory is a creative process, so I copy and paste your face upon my past until memory mosaics on top of memory on top of another memory, which creates an alternate landscape of the anti-self where the past, present, and future all overlap. And I am re-remembering until you were never absent, until we were sandbox superheroes climbing castles towards transformation higher than our parents' expectations of us. You were my first crush. And I was too young and too scared of embarrassment to give myself to love But I am re-remembering until you were my prom date for all four proms We fled the slippery scene of my first and only drunk driving accident My sophomore year of college diagnosed false positive You laughed in the doctor's office because I was sad I couldn't drink myself to death faster Before that, somehow I found a scrapbook that hadn't been opened since nobody knows when. We were surrounded by off-balance stacks of books that made a human maze. We were trapped inside the spines, but not looking for a way out. I would first meet you in person exactly 12 years from that night, but I have no doubt you kept me from imitating the last encore Jimi Hendrix ever performed. 14, barely breathing 
and dry, heaving belly up in a bathtub. You were the angel who hitchhiked back in time to shine the searchlights at the end of the blackout. You have eyes like a car wreck, a heart made of one part great sex, two parts I'm gonna take you home to meet my mama. The way you talk makes me think all real women are born in Georgia. And if your pussy wasn't so sore, I'd rip that tampon out and fuck you senseless on this kitchen table. I'll never forget when you said, I can feel your heartbeat throbbing in my stomach. I can smell blood. And I love you. city like savannah or new orleans where you can drink on the street and smoke where you want but they only take cash and even the cops are drunk lucky you lucky you you tell the truth because in this town every time you tell a lie a barefoot redneck child nails a kitten to a telephone pole don't ask why just pony up the cash and thank the bloodline he's my little cousin jimmy his daddy was a carny and his mama was a ferris wheel repair technician they fucked on a dare, still do on occasion, make mistakes. Two years ago, on this very same night, you and I sat on the concrete surrounding Colonial Lake. We tossed the crust of our PB&J sandwiches into the liquid sky. While we ate, the moon rippled like a flag in the wind on the surface of the night. Fish swallowed the bouncing stars. And if you're hungry tonight, I know a pizza shop about four blocks from here where they sell pie by the slice and life by the drop. I used to work there. We could pretend we own the place. Drink free water and sit in the window seat. Watch people pump like good drugs through the veins of these streets. And even though it's my heart, I wouldn't walk the park alone at night. The bus stop has no place to call home after dark. But if you're not done yet, we could get hopped up on truck stop Viagra. Go post up on a rooftop and narrate the night air that whips in and out of these alleys. Say, when was the last time you walked into the wall? Flower shop down on Poplar Avenue. That place is packed full of awkward blossoms, each passively begging for acceptance, each looking down at its flimsy stem and feeling too small to carry the weight of such a heavy stamen. That place makes me want to break shit. Makes me want to take a brick and make a splash. In a florist storefront window, pick up a shard of shattered glass and carve the inscription, forgiveness is free, on the side of the cash register so the owner of the wallflower shop can know that just because it sells doesn't mean it should. Being good is no substitute for being amazing, and people of this city would rather be wrong than timid, and I appreciate that moxie, that swagger, that joyful noise, that riotous voice, that says, don't box me up. 
I'm not an antique figurine. I'm not your grandmother's love letters. I'm a sucker punch. I'm a firecracker in a hallway of a middle school. I'm a boom shot. I'm a fistful of brass knuckles in a back pocket begging to Bruce Bone. I'm a last chance. I'm a sloppy blowjob in a bathroom backstage before the show. I'm a damn good time. I'm a grown-ass man that won't act his age. I'm a warning sign. I'm a loan shark named Karma, and I got to get paid. I'm a promise built on false premises. And you can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to break. everybody thanks for staying tuned in to open pages here on mutinyradio.fm so we're having a really good time tonight and i think we're all ready for our next feature and i've i'm i feel very fortunate to have moved to san francisco because the next poet is somebody who i've been enjoying at open mic venues, well, all over San Francisco and occasionally in the East Bay. And that is Dee Allen. Dee Allen is an African-Italian performance poet based in Oakland, California. He's active on the creative writing and spoken word tip and has been since the early 1990s. He is the author of four books, Boneyard, Unwritten Law, Storm Water, and Skeletal Black, all from Poor Press. D. Allen also has anthology appearances, including Poets 11, 2014, Feather Floating on the Water, Rise, Your Golden Sun Still Shines, What is Love, The City is Already Speaking, The Land Lives Forever, Extreme and Civil Liberties United. And that's what he's got under his figurative belt so far. D. Allen's fifth book, Elohi Unitsi, will be released Earth Day 2020 from Conviction to Change Publishing. In addition to that, we will be celebrating the re-release of D. Allen's Unwritten Law on February 15th, right here at Mutiny Radio on Open Pages. So can everybody please give a nice warm welcome to D. Allen. To the deniers. If there were no cattle trains in 1940s Europe loaded up with Jewish multitudes headed for imaginary death camps, queuing up for illusory final showers in mythical Zyklon B gas, mass commencements into make-believe flesh piles, filling in the, the Nazis' open graves, constructs dug into soft earth of someone's twisted imagination. If the victims' photographs were falsified Photoshop conjurations, if a young girl's diary entries, written whilst in hiding from stormtroopers, were forgeries by hand, pathological lies. If the camp tattoos on a survivor's aging, withered arm were a lifelong traumatic mind trick, 
possibly brought on by something else. Seriously, if the Holocaust never happened, then you didn't tune in to this podcast and you didn't hear this poem. That poem was called To the Deniers, the world's first poem about Holocaust denial. One of those weird far right wing phenomenons. And the next several poems I'm gonna do come from my, my fourth and new book, Skeletal Black, Poems from Beneath the Poverty Line. From pages 19 and 20 in the book, this is called Mr. Hard Time, based on actual events. One afternoon, around my high school days, Grandma Lily took time away from sewing clothes and talk show on daytime TV to tell my little brother and me an important tale about a guest who often came uninvited. Hard to predict his moves. Being a teenage girl and young mother in the Great Depression of the 1930s, she already knew the guest personally, as did her sister Vivian, her daddy Lonnie, and Lucy, her mama. In those days, there, weren't, there wasn't one person standing in a bread line or begging the next brother for a thin dime who hadn't met Mr. Hard Time. If you have no bread in the bread box, no fresh or frozen food in the refrigerator, no boxed or canned food in the cupboard, no coins filling up the mason jar, no, ju no dollars filling up your wallet, no way to pay the rent or clean your clothes, best believe that's when Mr. Hard Time comes for a house call knocking at your door. counting on your despair, answering him. Let Mr. Hard Time in, and the hard times last longer. From pages 21 and 24 of the book, Here's the title poem, Skeletal Black, also based on actual events. The fire department's shiny red engines wasted no time, arriving on the scene at 73rd and MacArthur early Saturday morning in May. Station 23 happened to be around the corner anyway. Firefighters used axes and hoses on full blast, fighting it for hours. Tendrils of flame broke through the roof and windows. Spire of gray smoke glowed a flashing orange against the black sky before dawn break. Neighbors watched on, astonished from the flooded sidewalk as I was, as the conflagration of unknown calls, unknown to me anyway, destroyed six businesses the whole block patronized. Six businesses turned to instant char, skeletal black. Days thereafter, a wreck stands on the street corner, but just barely. 
The ebony framing which once held the latest billboard leaning over to the lower left like a certain iconic tower in Pisa, Italy. There's no more roof, a cascade of broken sheetrock, half wave fallen light fixtures on top of gutted rooms, scorched walls, no walls or windows remain in front. Open scene of wreckage still stinks of burnt wood and soot every time I walk past it. An idyllic mural of the Oakland cityscape painted on the side wall. A solitary stow sign are all that stayed intact of the mysterious blaze. Easy Pay Payment Center, Millennium Tax Service, MacArthur Nails, Starfish Seafood Cafe, Dolphin Pharmacy, Kingdom Builders Thrift Store, depended on, visited, now gone, much like the Walkman, the VCR, the pager, relics of the past. Rubble and a chain link fence surrounds the exposed stove fronts now, not customers. The firefighters claimed it was faulty electrical wiring that started the blaze from the attic of Easy Pay, but the neighbors knew better. They suspect foul play. Something smells worse than smoke and burnt wood about all this. Something seems 1970s New York City spatial deconcentration about all this. The mysterious fire, the built, the ruins of the old building on 73rd and MacArthur, once home to small Eastmont businesses. Just crispy sticks, skeletal black. Makes me more cautious and far more vigilant than before looking for other signs of forced-upon change in the neighborhood. Already, there's been three. First came the arch, then came the eviction, and then the arsons. The desire to redevelop burns our homes down. Their pockets grow fatter from our removal. Their power is derived from our pain. That poem was called Skeletal Black, about a fire set to a building mysteriously one Saturday morning back in May of 2016, about nine blocks away from where I lived. I will never forget that fire if I lived to see 85. And to kind of switch the mood a little bit, here's something a little on the softer side. This is called Cold White Cube, it's an ode. Cold White Cube, relieved of its outer, of its colorful outer cellophane skin, dripping wet. Cold White Cube, cold as frozen mango sorbet, clammy as moist human hands, extra firm in texture. Cold white cube, product of compressed organic soybeans, tastes better than it sounds when prepared just right. Laid upon a bamboo wooden block under a descending kitchen knife, careful reduction with each stroke to smaller cold white cubes. 
cold white cubes tossed into a bowl with Asian five spice behind it all as the black cast iron skillet sizzles on the electric stovetop in toasted sesame oil, impatiently burning foe. Brown, dusted cubes and a stirring steel spatula composing the beginnings of some new lyrical verse, playing around with blended phrases, flavors, and aromas boasting Japanese origin, especially after the sweet tangy brown sauce is added. Additional stanzas are provided, minced garlic, julienne carrots, chopped shiitake mushrooms, and red bell pepper. Sweet tangy brown sauce, one more teaspoon. Mix together in the in the skillet, stir and fry, spreading the hot new content over a steaming plate of brown rice, finishes out this homemade poem. Extra firm, high protein, cold white cube, feeds me, sustains me. I need it like I need my plate of teriyaki. No animals were harmed in the making of this meal. <laughs> That poem was called Cold White Cube, a poem that started out as a stupid ode to tofu. But as you listen, you heard where I went with it. It ended up being a declaration of my passion for vegan cooking, the one other thing I do well besides creative writing. And the last poem I'm going to do for y'all tonight happens to be one of my personal favorites from the book. From pages 33 and 35 of Skeletal Black, this one is called Symbolic. Colin Kaepernick, number seven, did what he thought was the right thing before that 49ers game popped off. Eric Reed, number 35, Jeremy Lane, Seahawks cornerback. Megan Rapinoe on a Chicago soccer field followed suit, kneeling. I can't say I blame them. I would have stayed put on the bench too and refused to stand and salute all 50 stars, white in a blue square, all 13 stripes, white and red. Current states, original colonies, ain't the only things they represent. Long ago, I realized, as Colin already has, that the cloth honorable to millions is symbolic of a nation whose civilian protectors insist on hunting down my race for vicious sport, rewarded with paid leave instead of discipline, continues to deny us of breathing in the cleanest air, drinking the cleanest water, attending the best schools, attaining the best work, choosing the best homes, living in the best neighborhoods, forces us to sleep on the streets, begging for coins and for dignity. Pride withdrawn, respect withheld for a racist flag worthy of neither, for a nation that never represented slaves or tribes or the descendants or me. Worship denied, allegiance defied, genocide, discrimination, has no honor and deserves none.
That last poem was called Symbolic. It was my response to the NFL National Anthem protest, which Colin Kaepernick, number seven of the 49ers football team, had started back in summer of 2016. And those protests have gone on way into the present. And now it seems like children in grade school, I'm talking secondary school, I'm talking middle school students who are participating in like football teams or baseball teams are now sitting out on the national anthem as well and taking a knee for all those, for all those black people, myself included, who are dissed in this country still today and shot down in the streets by police. From this mic to your ears, I'm D. Allen. I dedicate tonight's performance to the host of Open Pages, Miss E.K. Keefe, the author of Ordinary Villains. Thank you, D. Allen, and thank you for those poems. We've got a, kind of a theme emerging among our poets tonight. Um, so I think we're going to listen to another track from Jonathan Brown's Lawless Southern City. And then I think we have uh, somebody for the open mic, which is exciting. And then I think we're going to bring our poets into the studio and have a little have a little poets chat. So everybody keep on listening. We are right here in the Mission District of San Francisco, California, and you're listening to mutinyradio.fm. dry clean, light starch, white dress shirt, a navy blue tie, and gray socks that match. I drink fresh, pressed coffee out of a company mug. To survive the doldrums of this monotonous office, me and my two closest homeboys, a three-hole punch and a Rubik's Cube, face off in a cutthroat, no-holds-barred, rock-paper-scissors tournament, the loser has to buy lunch for all three of us. My favorite food is styrofoam battered, double A batteries, freeze dried and deep fried and served with a side of collard greens, where some folks like to call it dollars on a leash. Smother it all in freedom gravy, package that plutocratic American daydream like fast food, text message it directly to my intestine, bypass taste, for that matter, bypass that whole digestion thing, hey God, just let me shit rolls of gold coins. Then all my problems could be fixed. I could buy enough time to ship my daydreams back to the factory where they would be refurbished and repackaged, slapped with a stamp and mailed to a more suitable cubicle. But in the meantime, I'm busy incorporating savvy product placement in place of what used to be my personality. In my next life, I'm buying a body with a warranty that includes extended adolescence coverage.
work in the office. I have become the office. I am naked under this packing tape and bubble wrap. I get homesick when I get too close to fax machines. My first love was the beep, 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 beep of a Mack truck backing up. Cross-reference with the barcode of my bloodline. You'll find I'm the product of a third world dumpster. Hogtied halfway up Maslow's pyramid scheme. But if I keep my eyes crossed and my fingers on a keyboard, white privilege might propel me all the way to middle management. Can you imagine it? Picture me, drunk on a promise of power, pretending I'm way more important than all the other employees who work a few rungs lower on a corporate ladder I'm staggering towards. Due diligence requires we all live in a world where money is the god of war. Not even love is enough to lick the wounds of the poor. Important decisions are made behind closed doors over the clink of a glass of good scotch and a cuffling handshake that smells like a reluctant secretary's crotch. Don't ask any personal assistant. Misogyny is best practices. My package gets stiffed every time the Dow Jones Industrial Average hits a new high. I'm pre-programmed to downsize according to the profit margin. I can justify job loss in sweatshops as long as I can make the stock price rise. Because I am the off. Should I sacrifice the best years of my life to sweat for a check that's not even mine? Since when is the cost of living the price of life? All right, everybody. Thanks for thanks for listening to Open Pages at Mutiny Radio. We've got an open mic poet. Hey, Andrea, how how you doing this evening? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Glad to hear it. Thanks for coming out to Open Pages. Take it away. Share a poem with us. Okay. This is um, from my blog, which is no is a complete sentence at blogspot.com. And it's called I Already Buried My Mother. I already buried my mother, the one that wanted me, the one that kept me safe, the one that loved me most. I already buried my mother in rocks and rainbows and saxophoned Danny boys. I already buried the woman who had have walked through broken glass for miles carrying me and laying her body down to cover mine from attack. I already buried the one who thought I was the prettiest and the smartest and the most talented, who never criticized me or swore at me or left me alone with child rapists. I already buried the woman who felt my fears and hungers and cold as if they were her own. I buried the one who didn't complain about where she was sat for my father's funeral or tell me I should stop being so hysterical when he died or want the bedspread off of his wife's bed. I already cleaned her blood off her white carpet and winced when some clueless person smashed her glasses into the stitches by her eye trying to hug her. I already buried her son and her husband and her daughter. I polished all their treasures, their medals and degrees and letters, and packed them away in boxes in my closet. 
I signed on all the dotted lines. I sent all the cranes stationary thank you notes for all the condolences. I polished her treasures and set them in a box in the closet. Her husband's fraternity pin, the silver compact he gave her, all the photos and the books inscribed to the family. I buried the whole family that those books were inscribed to. I put the jewels in the safety deposit box, the marriage and birth and death certificates in the safe. I dry cleaned all the chenille suits and took them to the consignment store. I tried to find someone who would enjoy the vast collection of $300 size five narrow heel pumps. I put her paintings on my walls and her keepsakes on my shelves. I already buried my mother after waiting in the hallway of the hospital where she was dying until midnight and taking the bus home in the rain, then coming back at six in the morning because she needed me. I already filled out the death certificate and picked the second best casket for her to be cremated in. I already buried the woman who never hit me, never slapped me, never spanked me, never told me to fuck off, never swore at me, never called me a bitch, never lied to me, never banged her head on the wall until there was a dent in the wall, never cut me down, never coerced me into hanging out with the creepy dudes she met through the personals on the back of the Bay Guardian or the Muni bus. I buried the woman who always believed me if I was hurt, never told people things I didn't say about them. I already buried the woman who loved me the most. I already buried my mother. Thanks, Andrea. That was really, really beautiful. Thank I'm you. I'm so glad that you came tonight and shared that poem with us. That was awesome. Thank you for having me. Hey, tell us, tell us your, you said you had a, a, a web presence that I maybe people would want to check I do have kind of a big out. web pre presence. I have a SoundCloud, which is SoundCloud, Andrea Dash Shippy, so A-N-D-R-E-A hyphen S-H-I-P-P-Y. That's oh, that was an ambulance going yeah, so by. Yeah, here we are. In everyone a, could hear that. That was a little bit district. of a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's also, um, if you want to see any cute pictures of my dog, if you just Google Buster Cupcake, there'll be one hundred thousand cute pictures of dogs. <laughs> that sounds so awesome. Thanks for coming, Andrea. Nice to see you. Thank All you. right. So, hey, everybody. Um, I've got Milo Star Johnson and D. Allen here in the booth with me, and we're we're gonna have a, a little bit of a, a poet chat because we've got some extra time. And uh, let, let's check these mics out. So, hey, hey, Milo, say hi to me. Hey, Kay, how's it going? Well, say hi some more. Hi, hi. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> Let's it's a, see. It's great to be here tonight. I'm so glad you came. Hey, and Andrea, can you hear Milo when she's talking out there? I'm talking now. Here I am. I'm talking. Uh, okay. What about, hey, hey D. Allen, how are you? Let's, let's check these mics out. Check, 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 check. One, two. Okay. Because, Milo, I'm not sure if I can hear you. Well, what if I put it closer, or should I go to try the other one? I think maybe the other mic. Sometimes 
You know, here at Mutiny Radio, we, we operate mostly on love and a strong will. How's so. this? <laughs> check, check. Check, and check. So. Cause how's this? Oh, that's, no? that's, I think that's better. Is that better? better? Can, yeah. Yeah. Check, that's check. better. Definitely. One, two, we one, can two. hear you. Oh, so. Okay. All right. Okay. So. Okay. Hi, y'all. Well, so I wanted to, you know, because um, I really, really enjoyed y'all's feature sets tonight. And, you know, I, I really like it when magic happens because, you know, basically the way you've you've ended up together as, you know, a pair of features on open pages is that you magically both said yes. <laughs> <laughs> that that is what happened. And um I've I've myself in my own writing also I've been writing a lot about um privilege and race and culture and how that you know how how the the big picture political of all of those things you know intersects in my own personal life and so i felt like that that tonight's features are are really like def resonating on those themes so tell me what you're thinking you look like you've got a thought on your mind, Milo. I was thinking that uh, we complemented each other very well. Yeah, you know. Same. Um, I've noticed. I've noticed that there were, even though that we did, we both did political poetry, but now I've noticed there was a slight difference in style. You started off with your own poems which come across to me as political satire and mm. very well prepared i might add oh, thank you <laughs> yeah whereas i just came off with just straight off political invective <laughs> something that brings the anger of the public to the surface yeah yeah well i also am you know working with a character characters and uh, i admire uh, writer, performers, poets who can go out and don't need that can do that without, which is what you do. So I admire, I admired your your set. Yeah, sometimes I do create characters within persona poems. I do that only occasionally, mm. where I will, where I will address an issue basically by crawling into the skin of. A character that I've created. Mm -hmm. It could be it could be a religious leader. It could be a politician who's tough on crime. It could even be just. It can even be a homeless person on the street trying to survive. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, so let's let's talk a little bit. Like, I think people are always interested in process. Um, <laughs> You know, how do, how are you, how are you getting your work done? Like these, these poems that you're writing, like what's, what's your process and what are you doing to, to get your poems out? She's looking at me to answer first. <laughs> My answer could be really long. And so I sort of <laughs> want to defer to you. Okay. I'll, I'll answer first then. <laughs> Um, sometimes a piece will come to me in one sitting 
and I'll be able to get my thoughts out on paper at once. And sometimes it will take me a matter of days and the piece will come out in fragments. Mm -hmm. And then I got to take these fragments written on different slips of paper and like try to make some sense out of them. And once I connect the pieces together, they'll result in the final written product. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's kind of similar to what I do as well. Like I do, I call it Frankensteining. <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I, I like to kind of write, like I love the 30 poems in 30 days mm -hmm. exercise, which I actually now do in all of the months, all four months in the year that have 30 days, which we're in right now. I couldn't do it. Well, but you know, I, it's, I have no, I have real low expectations for quality. It's really all about quantity and kind of like what you're saying is that, you know, like at the end of a month, it's like, oh crap, crap, crap. Ooh, there's a good line. Crap, 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 <laughs> you know? And then I take, you know, cause also within like a time span like that, I tend to get well just be thinking of similar things mm. in that moment and then connecting them and sorting and writing in between so i do i do something a lot similar to what you're talking about too frankenstein and i gotta use this <laughs> i gotta use this new verb <laughs> yes it's a verb i made up from a noun <laughs> like you do um anyways also keeping like a little pad of paper a notebook either in your purse your tote bag your backpack what have you and taking it everywhere you go because you never know when inspiration will come crawling up on you it's true what about you, Milo? How are you getting your work done? You know, actually, I've just, I use the little recorder on my iPhone. I find that's just so immediate because I can just like, and then, you know, record it. And, but uh, yeah, so process. Well, um, there's three or four parts to this thing that I'm working on. And it involved, I, I researched American history for a year because I knew I had defect, I had deficient areas. And I also had to research Christianity, um, which was its own weird thing. So I ended up writing a lot of post-its. And <laughs> then I ended up getting a whole bunch more post-its and color coding. So uh, I have butcher paper up in my apartment with all these color-coded post-its. And so for every section, I go and I, pl I pluck the fruit from the trees. I pluck the color-coded post-its down. <laughs> and then I sort of put them up on another board in sort of interesting colors because I found that if I sort of just mishmashed the topics, it actually did weird things to my brain. Um, and then, um, because I found that with writing poetry, as opposed to, say, a drama, I had to be really solid on historical concepts mm. so that I could take a, a fact and sort of make it sound sort of poetic, <laughs> verbiage-wise. <laughs> and so it required an extra step or two. Um, but I'm really, yeah, I still have these rolls of butcher paper up. I'm, I'm almost done with the whole first draft. I'm on the epilogue. <laughs> wow. That's a very wow. cool process. Uh, 
yeah I, I have a picture of your apartment as really appealing in my mind well on that social media site um that starts with an f and ends with a k haha that's funny <laughs> um, <laughs> um i'm gonna good night up, everybody I, i'm i'm gonna put up a, a like a, a process folder because it is i've taken little videos of <laughs> it's pretty weird <laughs> it's really cool <laughs> i like what you're saying about how taking different topics and and letting letting them bounce off of each other has produced some interesting results for you yeah did that happen naturally uh i was i was aware i had done something like this before and so i just very consciously when i was in the creating stage i went with juxtaposing um and it, it, it did yield some interesting things. Certainly, you know, some interesting parallels came out, you know, if nothing else, but also just working in opposition. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be like an hour-long thing when it's done. That's mm. cool. Yeah, I hope That's so. Exciting. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> That's, are, are you, what's, are you going to do like a one-woman kind of show? Yeah, I want to get some musicians maybe too. And I also, I want to do a podcast. I have like maybe three or four sections and I want to do like three or four podcasts, put some spooky sound effects in. It's like, ah, the demon. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Bad things happen to the demon, by the way. Just not to give any spoiler alert. Bad things happen to the demon. <laughs> <laughs> we should hope so exactly <laughs> things are already happening to the real white devil at, as we speak yes it's yes. called impeachment hearings yes. i know it's really it took a long time didn't it i know it's uh yeah it's yeah you know it's so interesting like this is <laughs> I, what an odd life. Like, this is my second impeachment. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it's really, it's really, you know, it's odd to have a point of reference for something like that since what is, has, is this only the third? Is this the third one? There's, there were four. Or four. Okay. Yeah. So this is the fourth one. Yeah. But considering that, you know, since, I don't know when. When was that Constitution put together? Seventeen seventy something, six, seven, eight, seventeen eighty seven. Okay, good. I knew it wasn't actually the Revolution date, but yeah, like four times and that long. And now I've, I've, I'm now witness to a second one, and I feel like that this says something more about like the time that we're living in, mm -hmm. and you know how like our government has some real problems and I guess our society also as you know the uh, kind of the 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 soil that the weeds grow in <laughs> is also like part of those problems so it's just yeah it's really strange to be seeing a second impeachment and also the real difference between the the two topics of impeachment also right. and that this one has taken such a much longer time to 
to happen. And looked more like a circus than the first one did back in 1998. Yeah, which was kind of, which was a total circus. Yeah, and I remember the first one. I was 12 in 1972, and... What was interesting, what I remember about that was that, you know, I have plenty of Republicans in my family, and I remember their process of disenchantment, and it was really painful, you know. They really loved Nixon. (laughs) You know, Nixon did some interesting things. He started the Environmental uh, Protection Agency. He did. You know, he was he was for uh, insurance, actually. Yep. Um, but I have a very strong memory of my father sitting on the bed trying to get dressed, trying to, you know, go do something. And he was just kept like he couldn't move. He was like, what? my God, what tapes? What? He was just blown away. Um, yeah. Do so you, do you just having that as I, I like what you said about the process of disenchantment. You know, do you feel like that's something that people are in for or well that's why i think a lot of like journalists who are old enough to remember watergate i think they think this might happen again but you know back then we only had like three networks right <laughs> there was there, right. there was this idea of objective reality and facts mattering all these quaint old-fashioned notions um that don't really happen anymore because i mean the the republicans or the trumpers in my family they only listen or pay attention to media that reinforces their views. Interesting. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm still kind of optimistic that the Senate might, you know, perk up, but sure. you know, I don't know. Mm, CNN Uberalis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So are, are either of you, you know, currently directly writing about, you know, our, the, the state of affairs, do you have any new work that's addressing any of any of what's going on? And there's a lot going on, right? Yeah, I've been putting pieces together here and there, and I'm slapping together like a a manuscript for a potential seventh book. I don't know which publisher is going to take this one, but I'm actually proud of what I've put together so far, and a lot of it has to do with life under the rule of the billionaire psychopath donald trump (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah that's Um, inspiring you're you're working on your wow it is your seventh book that is inspiring yeah but it's split into like three different sections working with three different elements one of them being racism which definitely characterizes the donald trump era Uh yeah hate thy neighbor and all that it's painful yeah it's encouraging his quote-unquote base right yeah which yeah i it's it's very it's it's difficult isn't it you know i've never seen another sitting american president play on people's fears of non-whites or non-citizens so much right the other yeah othering yeah. people all and, about and turning people against each yeah. other like in a really direct way yeah yeah it's it's painful what, what about you milo are you 
Well, I've been working on this thing for two years, and like I said, I'm probably going to probably going to take another six months to, you know, polish and do stuff, and then I'm going to go back to just making music. <laughs> I just, I'm also a singer-songwriter. I've got a bunch of new tunes, and I just need to take a break break from politics and rock out and. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> and what I will do is I will I will certainly do some sort of get out the vote uh, type of activity. Whether I actually can go to another state, I don't know. But I'll do, if nothing else, I'll be writing a lot of postcards asking people to vote. Because right I can't stay on the phone. But I will do something next year. Because next year, it's really important that he get out of office. Well, and <laughs> with, with that said, like it's it's time to start now to encourage people to vote. Because... It is, in fact, voter suppression tactics oh, yeah. that have been used consistently, you know, since the, I don't know, like, what, the, since the 13th Amendment was, was, was actually passed, that um, have kept people of color from voting. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, since they gutted the Voting Rights Act in 2015, we saw a lot of it in this last election. Like oh, there yeah. were there were a lot of real old school voter suppression tactics that were used. Um, <laughs> there's things like they're they're trying to rebrand re the poll tax. Like that's a thing that is coming up, and it's wow. just like oh no, I know. And but this is this is important, I think, to talk about to encourage people that if if you have registered yourself to vote, to encourage everyone mm -hmm. to vote and people you know to get out there and to vote and to pay a little bit of attention to what's going on because you know, we we need we need everybody to have a voice and um Definitely, like, if we all if we all work together and push together, we can stop the voter suppression tactics, and we can be, you know, a force together to make sure that everyone has their voice heard in the ballot box. You know, so yeah. glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's you know we live in California, in San Francisco, in California, but I mean there are parts of the country where people are just all in for Trump and you know pe that we, people are going to go get out the vote in those areas and people are going to be telling their family and friends oh of course I'm voting for Trump then hopefully they're going to go to the voting booth and not do it so we have to reach out to those people um you know, I you know if with forty one percent approval, the way I see it from my research, twenty five percent of any population is going to be given to authoritarianism. Mm. We've got a whole fifteen percent to shave down. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if it's at forty one percent, that's that's a lot of people we can convince. <laughs> it is a lot of people that we can convince. <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm also optimistic. Um, it, there are, are a lot of young people who have turned 18 since 2016 and the young people who have witnessed this and been living through all of this as they enter adulthood, 
you know, and, and of course, you know, these are a lot of kids I'm in contact with here in San Francisco, but you know, we need to encourage our young people to register to vote Mm -hmm. because, um, their votes do count and should count. And, you know, I think that a, a little more encouragement will kind of make sure that we, we get those, those younger voters out because, you know, the, the the makeup of america is changing like we have we have a lot more young people of color than ever before who are becoming eligible to vote and not that that necessarily means that you're going to vote one way or another but there are a lot of people who are not currently represented by you know the 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 president and his cabinet that you know perhaps should be represented Mm -hmm. i'm not feeling very represented myself right now (laughs) (laughs) but so what else what else is going on with your writing lives are either of you performing anywhere soon any other features coming up as a matter of fact tonight was my last feature for the year 2019 the last of the decade Awesome. I feel very honored. Thank you, D. Allen. Uh, I think this is the, I think this is it for me. I might, you know, creep out to an open mic next month, but yeah, I kind of feel like having, I mean, I'm almost done with the first draft. It's so awesome to be able to get out and run part one, because that's like, oh, we're just keep rolling along here. This is good. Um, so I feel like, yeah, maybe quit while I'm ahead and just pick it up in January. I don't know. Feel, feel the momentum yeah. while you got it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's so awesome. Thank you, Milo Star Johnson. So do you guys have any, any, any further thoughts on any of the many things? Mm. Thank you for having me on your radio show. Oh, it's always a pleasure, D. Yeah, Allen. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, E.K., very much. I look forward to reading Ordinary Villains. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. That was... Now available on Nomadic <laughs> Press. It's true. Perhaps I can come back and read part two. <laughs> oh, I would love that. In, in yeah, fact, I'd love to be here for that. Yeah, I... I also, you know, perhaps, perhaps you might consider um, Mutiny Radio and maybe Open Pages as one of the venues where you present your full show. Sounds like, terrific. That could, be, that could be a really cool night. Yeah, sounds terrific. Yeah, because I, I really enjoy it. And uh, thank you both for coming tonight. Like this, I, I feel like we had a really cool show and some cool conversation and I have a shout out to someone who I hope listens to this podcast someone I invited here tonight but he's at home right now my friend and fellow writer Richard Sandorell the cursive writer oh yeah it's a shout out for your brother we love Richard Sandorell I hope is he doesn't have the flu or anything does he no, he was, he was terrific. I actually saw him do a feature today at the Cesar Chavez Library in Oakland in the Fruitvale neighborhood. How cool. Well, hey, Richard Sandrell, I don't know if you're listening or not. Hope so. Hope to see you over here sometime, too. So thank you, D. Allen. Thank you, Milo Star Johnson. 
it's it's been a real pleasure to have y'all on at on open pages at mutinyradio.fm and we're streaming live around the planet from right here at 2781 21st street at florida in the mission district of san francisco california so i'm gonna just uh close out the show with with one more one more track from jonathan brown's lawless southern city and if you really if you're liking what you hear from jonathan brown uh, you can check out www.jonathanbrownmusic.com and he's got some more CDs and some merch and he's generally just a really good poet and I feel like uh, a lot of a lot of what you've heard from him and from D Allen and Milo Star Johnson all really kind of came together and and resonated so Let's check out another track and and I'll I'll be back in a minute. Here you go. Jessica caressed my face I light a cigarette and decide to stay awake Besides I can't sleep anyways I light another cigarette and decide to stay awake Besides I ain't slept in days Rusted water pipes busted, frozen Trust is coasting through the ceiling of a Wisconsin basement It's the dead of winter I'm no hero The wind chill is below zero It's the dead of winter I'm no hero, the wind chill is below zero, the sun will stick an ice pick and a chip on a cold shoulder and split the boulder both ways, an axe to the globe and you get half. Sand. Tom Sawyer with red bricks for hands. Generations could pass and I'd have an atlas to bring me back to you. Jessica's hands are trying to stay awake on the steering wheel. Her co-pilot with a map quest riding shotgun looks just like me. Except he's biting till the blood runs marathons. She said I ran out of the fixings it takes to make promises. And she's hungry for some home-cooked honesty. She says I'm not a liar. I just live in a myth. I like truth. I just haven't defined it yet. I'm not a liar. 
All right, everybody. So we've had a we've had a really amazing night at Open Pages, and I really want to just I want to take a second here to thank Dee Allen and Milo Star Johnson for for coming out on this fine fine Saturday night in San Francisco to. Uh, bring their words and their thoughts and to share that with me and with all of you. And I have been encouraged by them to uh, close us out here with, with a, a poem or two maybe, but definitely I think this, this one. So one of the things that's happened this past week uh, is a coup in Bolivia and a couple of years back, I had the privilege and honor of hearing a lecture over at the California Institute of Integral Studies, which is a university here in San Francisco. And it was by a Bolivian professor named Silvia Rivera Cusicanqui. And she introduced me to the idea of the stained identity. And it's really this idea that in the kind of the generational result of colonization uh, results in, in what she calls the stained identity. And that really resonated with me um, because of the, the complex nature of my, my own heritage. So I dedicate this poem to Silvia Rivera Cusicanqui, and I hope she's okay. Assimilation. We don't write history books in America, but mythology that uses all the people, native, enslaved, colonizer, as characters as symbols, to tell stories that never happened, to tell lies we believe are true. We are colonized and colonizer. We are the manipulated children of capitalism's success, stripped of knowledge and compassion for our own families. We are the ones who can take a joke. So I'm going to kind of sign off with that. And I really appreciate all the people in all the world who are sometimes fighting really hard to create spaces for people to speak freely, to live freely, and to... Um, resist the impact of colonization, even in the face of other people who are really, really trying hard to crush um, indigenous ways of thinking and being. So, well, with that thought, um, I hope everybody does well and 
works hard to uh, kind of help help us help us hold it down here in the United States and to you know maybe directly with the holidays coming up that you talk to people in your family who might might need a, a gentle push in a different direction and you know to to help them understand that you know we can all we can all be free together <laughs> and that we don't actually have to continue to live in a system where one group oppresses another group and you know wealth and white privilege have have been you know largely driving that in our society for a long time so these are challenging conversations that I hope that you can all lovingly have with your families. So with that, I want to thank you for tuning in to Open Pages. This is E.K. Keith, and uh, I, I wish you all a good night. And I hope that I hope that everything in your life is going well. I'm kind of multitasking right now because. I'm going to I'm going to shift the vibe as we as we sign off here. We've been uh thinking about a lot of heavy things and so sometimes when I do that what I want is a little bit of punk rock. <laughs> so give a give a listen here to something fierce. This is my little brother's band from Houston, Texas. So Rock out, y'all, and have a have a good night.
All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here tonight. And we're going to check out. It's, uh, it's mutinyradio.fm. You've been listening to Open Pages, and it's E.K. Keith here. We'll be back next month on December 21st with more more word art features, probably some poetry. You can count on it, and, and an open mic. So I, uh, I hope, to, hope to see you then, and uh, we're going to sign off here as soon as we get get something playing here because well you know it's it's radio and what we don't want is dead air so that's that's what we're gonna do we're gonna kind of fade out with one more tune from something fierce and i'll see y'all next month
convertible 1969 gold car. All right, so this is the amusing Flat black glass big and Saturday noon to two. Colonel Blake. Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Four Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. 
Counteroffer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counteroffer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counteroffer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counteroffer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows 